let's get agreement that this is a strategic priority. That area of alignment and synergy can be very Looking important. The future, we're committed to expand valuation. time, there's still progress that needs to be made. This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Jill McKeon, Assistant Editor of Health IT Security. Patients are increasingly relying on third-party health apps to track everything from chronic diseases to vital signs. But these apps often fall outside HIPAA's purview, leaving them in a regulatory gray area in which security and privacy controls are often inconsistent. To discuss the security and privacy risks associated with third-party health apps, today we are speaking with Tina Grandy, Executive Vice President for Policy at the Healthcare Leadership Council and Chair of the Confidentiality Coalition, Robert Tennant, Vice President of Federal Affairs at the Work Group for Electronic Data Interchange, or WEDI, and Marilyn Zygmunt-Luke, Vice President at AHIP and Co-Chair of the WEDI Privacy and Security Work Group. Thank you all for joining us. To begin, I'll start with you, Marilyn. Against this backdrop, could you first expand on some of the benefits of health apps and how they allow patients to take charge of their health and promote data exchange? Thank you. I think it's a great question to start with because as we move into more of an electronic age and a digital age, there is a lot happening within healthcare today. And we are trying to get more information readily available to consumers at the point of care and for them, for their own information, for access and managing their own conditions. So I think from that perspective, health apps can really provide a great benefit to the individuals and those who are working with a family member or friend in terms of care coordination. The challenge that we see with the health apps, however, is that there are some apps that are outside of the regulatory structure of HIPAA. And I know we're going to get into that in a bit more detail during the podcast. But from our perspective, we think that there are some apps that are covered under HIPAA, and there is a lot of protections in terms of privacy and security. But there are some apps that are outside that framework that are not subject to that sort of regulatory legal structure, and the consumers may not always be aware of it. So from that perspective, I think there's a major vulnerability in terms of privacy and security from the consumer perspective, and we need to do more in terms of education, as well as bringing those applications into a legal structure that would give better protections from the consumer viewpoint. Great. And going off of that with these benefits in mind, there are also significant privacy and security concerns, as you mentioned. Rob, I'll address this one to you. What are some of the top security and privacy concerns surrounding third-party health apps? Sure. Yeah. I'll just reiterate again what Marilyn said, that the opportunity that these apps present are really incredible for patients and caregivers. But at the same time, there are huge challenges associated with how that data is used and stored and communicated. And as Marilyn said, these third-party apps that fall outside of the HIPAA structure, really it's up to them how they use their data. And I think one of the things that strikes me personally is, and I'll ask all of the listeners, next time they download an app, do they actually read the terms and conditions before they hit I accept? I think the vast majority of us don't. And we don't know what exactly these third-party apps put in those terms and conditions. They could put in the fact they have the right to sell their data to whomever they want. So I think 
along with the wonderful promise of third-party apps comes this sort of danger area. And what we don't want is for patient protected health information, PHI, to be disclosed to folks that the patients don't want. And especially what I would call the sensitive data. So that includes things like substance abuse records, mental health information, perhaps chronic diseases, cancer, pregnancies. This information cannot leave sort of the sacred boundaries of where the patient expects that data to be. And so we're very concerned about how this data is going to be used, again, by these groups that are not covered under HIPAA. Definitely. And it's clear that HIPAA only goes so far in protecting health data, but there are a lot of misconceptions around that. So Tina, from your point of view, what does this situation with security and privacy concerns surrounding third-party health apps say about HIPAA's limitations and some of those common misconceptions about HIPAA and how it really does protect health data? Sure, thanks. So just to reiterate again, what Marilyn and Rob said is that these apps do hold a lot of promise to get patients more engaged in their own healthcare. And if an app is offered through a HIPAA-covered entity, a pharmacist, a clearinghouse, as they call them, which is a claims collator organization, it is covered under the HIPAA privacy and security rules. So the protected health information, which is a defined set of health information, is protected by law. HIPAA, however, was put into practice roughly 20 years ago before we had an environment where people were connecting to the internet and having instant access to information. And information was easily accessible through a variety of technological means. And when we fast forward 20 years from when HIPAA was originally implemented, we are in a situation where the rule has remained static but the world of technology has continued to proceed at a very fast pace. And as a result, we have information about our health, some of which is protected health information and is protected under HIPAA and in a framework where we generally can trust that the information is not going to be misused. But we also have health information that is falling perhaps outside of that framework. So it doesn't meet the definition of protected health information. And we're uploading this stuff into all kinds of digital devices, be it our phones or a watch or whatever it may be. And this information, regardless of whether it is defined as PHI under HIPAA or not, is not covered when it is used and collected and stored and transferred by an entity that isn't subjected to the HIPAA privacy and security rules. So we might think putting our name and maybe our weight and our race, our gender into some sort of an app that is not run by a HIPAA-covered entity or a business associate, which is a business that's under contract to work for that covered entity. If we're in a situation that it's not a HIPAA-covered entity or business associate and we're putting this information in there, it is, as Rob mentioned, open to all different kinds of use and disclosure and sale and it is perfectly legal to do so in this current environment if the organization that's sponsoring that app puts it in their terms and conditions, which are many pages long in certain cases, and most consumers don't read them. 
So there is definitely a dichotomy right now in terms of the fields of protection for identifiable health information protected in the HIPAA field and pretty much unprotected outside of it. And if I could give an example, I I think maybe a a practical example would help the listeners sort of understand what we're talking about in terms of some of these vulnerabilities. And I know Tina and Rob, you probably have some as well, but let's say, for example, you're tracking your menstrual cycle through one of the applications and suddenly you become pregnant. The app may sell that data and now you're being bombarded with information about a variety of products, or perhaps you're tracking your food intake through a weight loss application. And then all of a sudden you start getting information about supplements and exercise equipment and things that you didn't anticipate or ask for, because now your information has been sold to some other product or company and you start getting that sort of advertisement. You know, some may say, well, gee, that's an advantage. Maybe I'm interested in it. But I think from a privacy and security perspective, if you as a consumer didn't know that that was happening or you didn't ask for that, now your information is in the hands of a company that you might not have anticipated or expected. So I know, Tina and Rob, you probably have some additional examples, but I thought maybe it would just be helpful from a practical standpoint to offer some of those. Yeah, if I could... Add, it's important to recognize that, as Marilyn stated, there are ads that come your way, and some people are fine with ads coming their way. Others feel it's really invasive. There's also, as Rob mentioned, the spectrum of decisions being made about you based on the information that other organizations have about you that you have no idea they have. And there are ads and they're annoying and it feels invasive. And then there are really serious, I think, life decisions that can be made based on information that's been gathered about you. Should you get a loan or a certain amount for a house or a car that you want to purchase? What about entry into college? You know, really big life decisions that if they gather enough information about you can be made without any of your knowledge that this information was used to make a decision. Great. And those examples that you mentioned really show the importance of security and privacy and the potential negative impacts of not properly protecting this highly sensitive health data that is outside of HIPAA. So to dig a little deeper, I know in March 2022, Weedy and the Confidentiality Coalition sent a letter to HHS raising concerns about the potential misuse of patient information by certain third-party health apps. Within that letter, the groups also acknowledged the progress that has been made by the FTC and certain HHS guidance while also pointing out that there's a lot more work to be done to provide clarity and enhance those protections. So going off of that, Tina, what current regulations and oversight apply to health data held by third-party apps? Where has that progress been made and what else can HHS do to enhance those protections? Information about healthcare that's contained in third-party apps actually falls primarily under two domains, if you're not also including state law, which is its own thing. But first of all, if the information is offered through a covered entity under HIPAA, as I explained earlier, a doctor or a health plan, something along those lines, it's covered by HIPAA. And you can be assured that your protected health information that's in that app is not allowed to be used um, outside of the rules and regulations set forth by those laws, the HIPAA privacy and security laws. 
for apps that are created by an entity that does not have to abide by the HIPAA privacy and security rules, that information is to an extent governed by the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, and they largely operate along the lines of deceptive trade practices. So it could potentially be regulated in a manner where an app says, I'm doing only this with your information, or they purport, or they you know, make you feel like their intent is to only use it for a certain reason. And yet they behind the scenes, because no one reads their terms and agreements and so forth, are selling your information or sharing it in ways that you're not aware of. That could be seen as false and deceptive advertising by the FTC. But the FTC does not actually protect your health information in the same way that the HIPAA rules do. I'll just add a few thoughts based on the letter that, you know, the Confidentiality Coalition, the Weedy, sent. Again, we emphasize the fact that, you know, our organizations and others, we're not interested in slowing the progress of apps. We realize the benefits. But I think what we tried to say is based on the CMS final rule, which requires covered entities to provide this information, this PHI, to third-party apps at the request of the patient, they cannot say no. What we tried to do is say, listen, we need additional guidance from the government to these covered entities, letting them know what steps they can take to try to assure the patient and themselves that this third-party app is legitimate and that they're not going to disclose information that the patient is not aware of and approves. We also encouraged the development of what we called accreditation or certification programs. So again, if it falls outside of HIPAA, this voluntary accreditation program would give assurances to patients, to providers, to health plans, to others that they have met a minimum level of privacy and security. And so we feel that that would be an excellent way to drive sort of good policy, good use of data, and let patients know that they've got a good housekeeping seal of approval. And as well, we argued that the same level of scrutiny, privacy, and security that CMS uses with its own app, the blue button approach, that could be applied to the industry as well. And of course, like always, we encourage the government to really increase its education for both patients and covered entities as well, letting them know about the opportunities that apps allow for, but also warning them of the potential dangers should the patient not read the terms and conditions. Definitely. So it seems like there is additional guidance and regulations needed to really assure patients and providers to take advantage of these apps without sacrificing privacy and security. So I'll direct this question toward Marilyn. Do you think providers and covered entities should or do play a role in communicating third-party health app risks to patients? And if so, how can they best communicate those risks? Where does that responsibility lie? Yes, Jill, I think that in terms of the status of healthcare today, any and all entities, individual providers, folks that are working within the health industry and dealing with the consumer, to the extent that there can be education at every level, we certainly support that. I think that in terms of dealing with apps, there are a couple of things happening 
right now that will be important to understand. And one of the things that's happening is there's a movement toward interoperability. And so there's going to be a lot more availability and accessibility of health information, both for the patient and for their provider. From that perspective, to the extent that apps are going to be involved and the provider can do perhaps education at a meeting or if the provider sponsors an app, that would be a good opportunity to talk with the patient about it at that stage. From the health insurance plan perspective, many of the health insurance companies have their own apps. And as we've talked about with the terms of the HIPAA privacy and security rules, they would be covered under that. So to the extent that folks want to engage with their health insurance provider and use their applications, we certainly would encourage that as well. But we do a lot of work as well with our federal and state partners, both in the public and private arenas. And to the extent that there can be more education coming from the agencies, we think that that would be a great idea, both from, for example, the Health and Human Services Office for Civil Rights, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology. Many of these agencies can really take a leading role in terms of educating consumers And I say that because if you as a consumer want to know more about health information and some of these apps, they're probably the primary sources that you're going to for that information. Yes, you might consult your health insurance provider or your health insurance plan, but I think if you're looking for a regulatory perspective or wanting to understand, gee, what is the legal landscape in terms of these applications and the digital age and what's happening, you're going to look to either a federal or state resource to try and learn more about that. So to the extent that our governmental partners can do education, that's really one of the best recommendations I think that we have. I know Tina and Rob, you may have other ideas on that. Well, Marilyn, what that made me think of really that we maybe haven't said outright on the podcast yet is that Consumers and individuals don't distinguish many times between what's protected and what's not. So you can easily, as a consumer who's not steeped in the issue the way the three of us are, think that all your health information is protected because there's some federal law out there that when I go to the doctor, I have to sign a form and therefore all my health information must have protection which the three of us know is not the case, but most consumers don't. And so the fact that consumers don't distinguish in many times what's protected and what's not, they don't know the difference between, you know, a covered entity and an uncovered health app highlights, I think, the vulnerability of consumers' health information when it comes to, you know, sort of what we often call the wild west of the internet and the lack of regulatory controls around certain aspects of it. Yeah, and I'll just add, you know, we do live in a new world. Patients, especially the younger ones, they expect to get their data electronically. They expect and want to use apps. So we have to recognize that. And I'll talk about the opportunities that present themselves from the provider perspective as well. Because there are a couple of things that we expect to happen over the next few years. One is, and and Marilyn emphasized this, that providers and health plans themselves will have apps. And so they can direct their patients to their apps, knowing that they're covered under HIPAA, that they're going to protect their data and really avoid having those pitfalls that we've been discussing. 
But what I also see in the future, and maybe it's happening now, is the situation where the provider will actually prescribe apps, much like they would do with a medication, because maybe they've done the vetting on the back end. They know that this is an app that has solid privacy and security policies in place. They know that it does a good job of, for example, tracking A1C levels for a diabetic. And so that way, you're hearing about the app from a trusted source. You're not downloading something that you're unfamiliar with. So we hope that sort of word of mouth and hearing from your trusted sources, whether it be a provider or getting information from a health plan, again, allow these other groups to do some of the legwork for you. So then you as a patient feel more confident that your data is being protected. You know, we've talked about these terms and conditions that patients never or rarely read. So we took on the task of partnering with the College of Health Information Management Executives, better known as CHIME, and we created what's called the Think Before You Click campaign, which are essentially just five quick tips to help patients protect their health data and stay safe when using health apps. And very simply, the first one was download your app from a trusted store and use a strong password. And of course, carefully read the privacy terms and conditions, find out exactly what health data the app is collecting, determine where the app was developed and where the data is being stored. And of course, know if the app shares or sells your data. So arming the patient with this information, I think, goes a long way towards making sure that that data is kept secure. Right. And as you mentioned, despite those security and privacy risks, there are some great benefits to these apps from a healthcare perspective. So thank you, Tina, Robert, and Marilyn for addressing all of those subjects and for joining us today. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Jill. And for our listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Feel free to reach out to me at jmckeon at extelligentmedia.com. That's J-M-C-K-E-O-N at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts or to suggest stories you'd like us to consider covering in the future. And please head over to Apple Podcasts to give us five stars and a positive review if you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production. 